Here we go. All right, welcome in. Let's go. Horse racing. Welcome happy. to another edition of a Mikeless Horse Racing Happy Hour. Mike. Better and better every time we do it. Louis Rameau <laughs> hanging out with you, of course. Uh, producer Zach alongside as well. And uh, we welcome in friend of the show. His name is Barry. We call him the Urban Handicapper. We call him the Sniper. Uh, we call him the man that we're just happy to see this week. Barry, how are you, my friend? <laughs> hanging in there, you know. Good. Things are good. The, the weather's getting better slowly but surely. Everything's uh, <laughs> kind of falling into place. There you go. Uh, What's I was it looking like at Twitter. living in a in a city of second tier sports teams. I'm just wondering. <laughs> it's rough, man. Uh, no, no, no respect. The magic get no respect. It's unreal, bro. Well, there you go. All right. Well, Barry Spears with us. Uh, we're going to preview all the stakes action down in Tampa this weekend, where Barry uh, will be on site. He will not be uh, on the feed, but I'm just doing that so everyone will walk up to Barry and ask for a picture this weekend. So please That's do. All that. right, I'm down for that. 100%. Go say hi to Barry. He'll be there. Uh, it will not be hard to pick out Barry. He's the tall guy with the with Barry. The bandana. <laughs> yeah, you know who Barry is. It's okay to say. And then uh, want to give a shout out to our guys, Single Barrel Cigars. Hey. Tampa. Shout out to our guys at Single Barrel, Ebor City. Check Ybor them out. City. All over. Yeah, Ebor City. Legit. Check them all out. Uh, Single Barrel, all over social media. Good dudes down there. Uh, just really a fantastic concept for cigars. And if you are at all, into your bourbon make sure you get some single barrel cigars uh as well that way good guys uh hanging out with us whenever we do this show i wanted to ask barry uh to jump on right away because we did have a uh, four derby re uh derby replays to go through from last weekend obviously one of the winners doesn't get any points we can get into that as well uh shameless plug for me new show tomorrow the kentucky racing spotlight will air at 6 p.m on espn louisville so if you are uh, able to listen on your smart speaker or you happen to be in the Louisville market, you can listen to us on 680-1057. We will, of course, podcast that everywhere, including on the Horse Racing Happy Hour uh, podcast platform as well. So no matter where you are, uh, you'll be able to check that out. I want to thank our friends over at the Kentucky HBPA for sponsoring uh, that one. So, Barry, let's get into it, man. Um, and I'm going to let Barry kind of navigate us here. Was there a particular non-NISOS performance that you were impressed with last weekend? No. Okay. <laughs> in a word, no. Get uh, I get it. So, uh, let's go to one of those. His name is Hades. Uh, he ran in Gulfstream uh, in the Holy Bowl. He beat Fierceness. It was supposed to be the grand uh, re-entry of Fierceness. We talked to Brian. We talked to Brian Nadeau, uh last week. He thought it was just going to be a straight up Fierceness, and then um, and then Hades straight up cold Exacta instead. Uh, Hades just won the damn thing. Zach, can you go ahead and take us back uh, to Gulfstream Park from last weekend? Horses. Another two lanes back to domestic product and dropping back to last is Dancing Groom just ahead of him. Otello. Fierceness not out of second gear yet. They went three quarters and Fierceness goes to the first finish line trying to put Hades away. Gaffleon getting a response from domestic product and it's time to go to work for the two-year-old champ. Fierceness is off the turn but he's not home yet as Hades is dead game and battling back. Off cover domestic product is charging hard. 16th to go. Fierceness coming up empty now. Hades has the lead. Domestic product is out of time. DJ Stables, Hades wins the Holy Bowl. Under All right. So one thing I want to mention before we really get into talking about the actual things that happened in this race. I think no one does a better job in horse racing than what Pete Aiello just did. He talked about what was happening with fierceness during the race, right? No one does that as well as Pete does is willing to say those things and know he's just right <laughs> and not worry about the repercussions. I really appreciate that about his calls, Barry. Um, 
a slow race, but look, it's not Paco Lopez's fault that he was able to rate. No one caught up with him, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he got away with some easy, that, that second split was kind of easy for him and, and it really set up the race for him to win. I thought, honestly, fierceness actually ran the best race. Um, mm. I know a lot of people won't say that, but if you look at the replay, he got off slow. He, he didn't really break well and then got forced out wide. And it's clear by the way that Johnny V was riding him that he has to get clear. He doesn't like kickback. And that's what he tried to do and got forced out wide. He was about four wide the whole way. And he kept running. You know, he, he was battling on right up to the top of the stretch. And then, you know, he was still trying and, and then faded behind uh, domestic product who, you know, looked like he was just going to blow by both of them at the top of the stretch. And he, he kind of flattened out. Um, I think that's a little bit of inexperience. But um, those top three are, are, are pretty formidable, and I, I want to see them going forward. But I think, you know, my personal opinion, I think Fierceness actually ran the best race. There's talk of Fierceness skipping uh, the Fountain of Youth next month and going straight to the Florida Derby, Barry. Um, do you think this is a horse that could afford another month off between races and then be ready for both the Florida Derby and the Kentucky Derby? Or would you prefer they try uh, the Fountain of Youth? And then if they win that one, they got the 50 from that, they've got the 30 uh, from the Breeders' Cup, they really wouldn't need anything else to get in that starting gate uh, for uh, the Kentucky Derby. Well, it's it's hard because, you know, obviously they, they really don't need too many more points to solidify their spot in the gate on Derby Day. But um, it seems like this horse likes to race. You mm. know, I, I think I think laying them off might not be the best thing, but Todd Pletcher's won a billion races, so he's a lot better than me in, in that department. I let him call the shots. But I, I personally would like to see him run, you know, in succession because, you know, having that foundation of, of a lot of, you know, longer races leading up to the Derby is always a plus. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, a slow one, but frankly, all the preps outside of Santa Anita were slow this last weekend. Uh, one of those races, of course, uh, happened at Oaklawn. Mystic Dan, a touch of an upset, and uh, I want to talk about the ride for Brian Hernandez Jr. here because I am convinced of the rides this weekend. This was one of the very, very best. Uh, and so watch Mr. Dan. He's the 10 horse here. He's on the inside. He's trailing horses, and unlike Fierceness, gets a bunch of mud kicked in his face. Seems to not affect him. Uh, Zach, let's go ahead and go out to Oaklawn and watch the replay of Mystic Dan winning the Southwest. Coming back to the lead, Jess Steele making a big move after Carbone and Otto the Conqueror. Jess Steele storms to the front. Jess Steele and Ramon Vasquez have three sixteenths to go. Here comes Mystic Dan right up the rail, though, with a rail skimming ride by Brian Hernandez Jr. And Mystic Dan is turning it on in a huge effort for the Kenny McPeak Bard. Mystic Dan five six ahead, and he wins wrapped up a Oh, man. All right. By the way, first thing to say, of course, uh, going back to track announcers, my man, Matt Dinnerman, doing the damn thing at Oakland. He sounds great. He is crushing it. Big field. Be damned. The man is crushing. Doing a great job. Caught Mystic Dan right when he made that move uh, on the rail. Man, Barry, I just thought of all of the rides we saw this past weekend. Brian Hernandez Jr. getting up the rail there and knowing that his horse would make that move. That was about as good as we saw this weekend. Yeah, I mean, he, he was real, uh, you know, obviously savvy enough to know that the, the inside yep. was the best part of the track. Um, stuck to the rail, and, and it got him the win. Um, about the performance itself, 
I think Mystic Dan really just kind of freaked on the mud. I, I don't, I'm, I'm real skeptical because that race was just kind of out of nowhere for that horse. And, and he, he seemed like the way he was running, he was like, you know, just skipping right over the mud. It looks like he, he definitely appreciates that, uh, that wet surface. So the jury's still out on him. I thought uh, liberal arts actually kind of mm. ran a really good race for yep. a comebacker. You know, he, he, his progression is just keep, it's, it just keeps happening. So um, he, he's one I'm definitely interested going forward. Yeah. Matt gave us liberal arts on, uh, on ESPN Louisville when I had him on ahead of the Southwest stakes, really thought that he would be the winner in that race, even uh, six to one or eight to one on the morning line. I can't remember at this point, but uh, yeah, no, an interesting horse. I thought an interesting race, Barry, only because uh, in Derby terms, at least, when we do get to Derby Day, it rains on like 48% of derbies, right? And so sometimes you do have to deal with a muddy or a sealed track or something like that. Kenny McPeak's going to have that horse ready to go as far as being there, right? So even if he's first alternate, second alternate or something like that, as horses start to scratch out of the Kentucky Derby, he might be the 22 that gets in the race and is actually interesting. So, you know, I'm with you on this one. I think it's a little bit more of uh, letting the cake bake, if you will, something like that, where <laughs> let's see a couple more races out of this horse. It's so hard sometimes with guys like McPeak. McPeak to me Man. is the Doug O'Neill of anything east of the Mississippi River. It's just kind of like, yeah, sure, he can start. Sure, let's throw him in that race. That sounds great. What's the surface? I don't really care. Let's just try it out. So, you know, the good thing me, is, yeah, go ahead. The, I was going to say, the good thing is with Kenny, he runs his horses. He, he doesn't right, he shy does. away from spots. He, he runs right. them. But yep. the bad part is, it's hard to predict when they're going to run well. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> He's good for the game because he runs the damn horses, and it's tough for the better because. The 12, 13% isn't an indictment on his training. It's no, that he's not at all. Take chances, right? That's mm -hmm. exactly right. So it's, it's, it's interesting to watch different trainers take those different tacks. And he's certainly one uh, we appreciate because like you said, runs the horses. And that's uh that's all we can really ask uh, of our trainers in this game. Uh, let's head up uh, to long Island. We did talk. Uh, I want to give a shout to our guy, uh, Matthew DeSantis up there with Naira. Uh, it was a really great guest. He's been on a couple times now on the radio show with me. It's been really great, really uh, generous with his Friday mornings with me. Um, and was, uh, you know, this was a Withers that we qu didn't quite know what to do. And in fact, we didn't know what to do because Uncle Heavy won this race. Uh, Chris Griffin on the call up at Aqueduct. Zach, if you could go ahead and pull up that replay for us. He is all in, is not cutting into the margin. Light line is starting a rally here for Manny Franco. It's going to be a touch wide, but the front two have not come back to the field. And El Grande O is back in front. It's El Grande O who kicks away. Kane continues to chase. Uncle Heavy is trying to commence a rally, is making hard work of it. Light line and deposition on the grandstand side, but El Grande O is still there. El Grande O, here comes a run from Uncle Heavy, and Uncle Heavy in between horses. Deposition on the far outside. Light line right there. El Grande O needs the wire. Uncle heavy late it's a photo finish oh there's two noses on the line the am wow it's a great race it really was it's a fantastic finish uh chris really graduate uh really uh grabbing uh, onto that by the way naira has a fantastic youtube page if you ever want to go back and watch oh, any yeah. of her replays and stuff it is like the easiest one to navigate for sure so thanks to all the folks for their uh their uh putting their races up on youtube for us to be able to talk about on this show you know, it's essentially the second race in a row, Barry, where we heard the race caller got to kind of get caught off guard. They thought they knew, you know, he says, oh, they haven't been caught by the pack. And then, you know, Uncle Heavy gets that extra whatever in the stretch there. I don't know what to make of this race. The splits are incredibly slow, Barry. Um, but I also don't hold it against horses if that deep, sandy, you know, dirt thing on Long Island, either at Belmont or at Aqueduct, 
slows them down a little bit. That really doesn't bother me. What did you see in this race? Did you see a Derby contender? Because look, we're talking about a quarter century now that we haven't had a winner come out of the Wood Memorial. Yeah, it's tough because when they changed the surface and, and got rid of the inner dirt, um, they really kind of, they didn't winterize the track. They just basically added more right more track to the track right. yeah and it, and it's like quicksand when it gets wet yeah. and um you know uncle heavy really ran good i'm just curious to see how horses leave aqueduct yeah. and run somewhere right. else and that'll probably be the the telltale sign of, of what's going to happen but i mean the the top two were really good and the rest of them didn't really show up but it was a wet track so i, I can't really say you know, oh, well, we can just toss this one or that one because sometimes they just don't like it. I've, I've seen horses, you know, in the past performances now that are coming back from like the Remsen and things like that. And, you know, they just had a bad race and they're, they're probably going to run better. So we'll see. This is a fun one. This is a Pennsylvania bred. The owner has had four starts ever. Pops up, wins the withers um, and has a horse, <laughs> a serious contender on the New York route to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Got to feel good for the connections there. Michael Sanchez, of course, and uh, they're out of the Reed barn there up on Long Island. Uh, look, one of those stories that's just easy to root for. So, frankly, out of the the Naira path to the Kentucky Derby, paint me whatever. I'm rooting for uh, Uncle Heavy here. Also, just so we can play a lot of Heavy D songs going forward. Like, I, I like know. That. I was about to say yeah, that. We like Heavy D. Yeah. Yes, I think it's, yeah. It's just I like Heavy that. D. Anytime we see – Look, if somebody out there wants to make a music video with Uncle Heavy running around to Heavy D music, I'm not opposed to it. So just figure it out, people. That'd be really great. I think I got All a right. Twitter follower named Uncle Heavy D. I like that a lot. Actually. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. I like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I agree. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk about it, Barry. Let's just do the, the – the you know, it's not even an elephant in, a, in the room anymore. The Baffert thing with Churchill Downs and not being, you know, eligible for a third straight derby here. Nysos. I mean, look, you and I watch a ton of horse racing. That's as good a stretch out as you're going to see from a three-year-old. I mean, that just is. It's off the charts great. Um, the horse looked totally comfortable. New seemed like he had done it a hundred times. It, it's I'm Barry. I'm I'm a guy where I'm just disappointed that we won't have the very best collection of three-year-olds that we can for this race. Um, and I, I kind of look. I, I think I under, I think I. What's the word here? <laughs> I think I think for this, Churchill is trying, in their mind, they're protecting the 150, the Derby 150 thing by not having Baffert there. What I don't understand is, Barry, I was there a couple of years ago, and Baffert agreed to have all of his horses blood tested before the Preakness stakes. Why are we not doing that for the Kentucky Derby with just everybody and, and moving on and trying to figure out a way to get Baffert back in these races? That's a hell of a question because that would – that would solve some of this issue. Um, I, I think at this point it's kind of petty on both sides because he was still suing them before, you know, a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. Um, and I think that that had a lot to do with why they wanted to extend the, the, uh, the suspension. And as a fan, I don't like seeing Baffert right. out as a better. Right. I do because I think <laughs> it, it kind of creates some chaos within the race. And you see that the horses so far, Everybody's kind of evenly matched. Not that they're not evenly matched when, you know, come Derby Day, but even more so now. They all kind of look the same. Nysos was was the one that kind of separated himself, and he's not going to be in it. Yeah. But but no, also, it's... don't you feel like like some of these owners and trainers have to feel like I don't get a shot 
at the king like hey you know i, I you could put point. a star next to my kentucky derby or or my race because bob baffert can't run in it and he might have had a winning horse i mean it they get money and all this stuff too but in the back of your head you know i think owners just want to win the kentucky derby um to answer your question zach but there there is absolutely value in beating the best horses too right i mean I, there are different levels of derby winners there just like there are different levels of hall of famers in different sports those kinds of things um I, i'm with you zach on that point but i do think i think if if you went to an owner and said you can win the kentucky derby but baffert's not going to be in it they'd say what was that second part because i don't care about it <laughs> i think i think that's about what that that's what they would say um but no uh, let's watch this nisos replay because folks this is what it's supposed to look like uh under Flavian Pratt here, uh, Frank Miramonti on the call Scatify at With a quarter of a mile to go, has led throughout. Nisos let loose with a huge bid on the outside, though, at the 316th. Nisos blows by the competition and turns it on. Wind me up in a battle for second with Scatify. Nisos passing the two-turn test beautifully, geared down to stroll in by seven lengths. That horse is walking. Oh, they wrapped him up walking. Quick. He got around that corner. They wrapped him up quick, for sure. It's exactly what they're supposed to look like. You know, Barry, I mean, I, I'm i interested because some, something very significant is happening this year and next year, which is the Belmont Stakes is being run at 10 furlongs instead of 12. And it's being run at Saratoga, where you can just leave your best three-year-old and he can run in all of the best races during the summer because all of them are at Saratoga for three-year-olds especially. Um, I think some of the ownership group with, with Baffert decided not to move this year because they see the Preakness three weeks off to a Belmont at Saratoga over 10 furlongs as something their horses can probably do. Plus, it's a $3 million race up there at Saratoga. Do you agree with my assessment there or am I reading too much into it? Nope, absolutely. I feel the same way. Is, is you know the Belmont's going to be the prize this year because I agree. You know, everybody's going to be there. Uh, Baffert's yeah. going to be there, and you know you get the new shooters that that skip the Preakness and all that. It, it might end up being the best race out of them all, depending. I mean, there. I guess there's always the possibility we could, we could be going for a triple crown, but um, sure, we'll see. I, I mean, it, we got to let it play out, but it's sure going to be fun to watch. I know that. Man, oh man! Well, there you go. I um, I, I mean, the Nisos, thats as good a stretch out as you've ever seen. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean, he's very crazy. professional. He's he's only you know run a couple races, so you know you don't expect a horse to look that good this early. Um, I I mean, the field wasn't that great. It was a bunch of tomato cans, but he looked really good doing it. Yeah, I um, I'm less interested in the in Wind Me Up's race there, and more interested actually in Scatify. I wonder if they couldn't turn that horse into some kind of seven furlong or maybe one turn mile. One turner, yeah. Yeah, he really Definitely looks like looks that good. to me. I don't think he's a six furlong horse. I don't think he's like five and a half on the turf. But I think if you can get him more of those like seven furlong type races, something like that, maybe even six and a half, he could be uh, pretty effective monster. there. Yeah. I, I actually agree with you. Um, yeah, where, I think he'd be a monster if he cuts back. If you had a derby top like horse, do you even have one right now, Barry? Because I don't. It's tough. Yeah. I, tough. I mean, you haven't seen them, you know, haven't seen many horses, to be honest. And, and you know, one could come out of nowhere. Um, if, if you had to put a gun to my head, I'd say fierceness is still the top dog sure. right now, okay. um, yeah. despite that last one, because he probably wasn't even already, you know, cranked up all the way to win. Okay. And, and they got bigger things. You want him to peak in 
May and not February. Well, there you go. All right. Well, let's get to the handicapping section uh, of our show here. Barry's favorite part. And I'm not going to lie. Also my favorite part. How about that? Uh, we'll go down to Tampa for this one. It is uh, it is Sam F. Davis Day down there. Wanted to give a shout out again, our buddies at Single Barrel Cigar, singlebarrelcigarco.com. The website is up. How about that? Go check them out. Get your uh, cigars ahead of any Tampa race and, of course, uh, any race around the country. They'll ship them straight to your house. Singlebarrelcigarco.com. Go check them out there. Uh, Barry Davis Day, man. This is a fun one. The Sun Coast, the Minaret. There's some nice, the Pelican, there's some nice steaks on this card. Yeah, you usually get uh, kind of a little combination of horses that are just starting their year or, yep. you know, trying to get into it for bigger things. And, and you know, for from a betting perspective, it makes it interesting because this is the time that you could probably beat some some big favorites. And I think there there is a little bit of that going on in this sequence on Saturday. Yeah, I, there are numerous horses at eight, 10 to one kind of numbers that I really like uh, on this card. And so we'll get into that now. Barry, let's head to race five. It is the Sun Coast. This is a prep uh, for the Kentucky Oaks. They're going to mile 70 on the dirt there. Obviously, for three-year-old fillies, it's $150,000 uh, in this one. Look, I think you do have a little bit of a dilemma here in that power squeeze a second off the layoff here. She looked really good at Gulfstream Park last time. Uh, Barry is a believer in distance, not in turns. So she's going two turns here, but it's not much more distance than she did at Gulfstream last night. And, of course, you have Life Talk coming out of that really nice run in the Demoiselle before that, of course, in the juvenile Phillies. Barry, more often we see the Phillies carry from two to three than we do the Colts. Uh, will you lean on the class of Life Talk, or do you like the current form of a power squeeze, or are you looking somewhere else? Um, I, I, I think Life Talk really is is the standout, like like the morning line has her. Um, but there there's some knocks there. I mean, oh, the horse really hasn't run all that great um up until that last race and went to the lead that day which she hadn't done before um if they employ that strategy i think they'll be fine if they decide to rate they might be in trouble um because the the closers are a lot faster than her finishing um even the one who who just is a maiden breaker um is probably a little bit quicker than what it appears on paper Power squeeze is, is kind of a closer. Um, and the outside horse was kind of interesting to me in, in Gorgeous Girl, who's also probably be a, a, a stalker type. So that just leaves life talk to go to the lead, which I hope and think they would do. Uh, Manage mischief is probably going to cause a little trouble. But if that one goes to the lead, I, I don't think they'll have a problem. Life talk looks like a standout. Yeah, and, and going the distance here, we have a couple of horses who have done it already. You mentioned one and who could ask for Mo, uh, the one horse on the inside here, Tyler, for Tyler and for and for Suge. Um, I'm with you on the on the class of life talk. Do you think that power squeeze, I mean, Centino here hit the board kind of horse, or do you, is this one you would fade in, in those kinds of plays? Pretty dressed up off of that perfect trip win last time. Um, so I think that number or, you know, the speed figure, even in the third graph might be a little bit inflated. Okay. Um, just based on that trip. I mean, it was, if you look at that race, it, it couldn't have set up any better for that horse. And, you know, she obviously took advantage of it. If she gets that same situation on Saturday, she's going to be ultra tough, but I don't know how, how that develops because there, there's really only one speed horse, one and a half. Right. And <clears throat> unless they just go, you know, crazy, in the first quarter 
Um, I really don't see Power Squeeze getting a good trip, and, and five to two seems like a really big underlay. Okay, well, there you go. Um, reminder to at Tampa, the pick threes, the daily doubles, the pick fours are all 18% pl- uh, takeout, really playable ga- uh, races here. Barry, this starts a middle pick four. Would you single life talk here? Yes, I would. Okay, there you go. All right, we'll move on to the next race then. Uh, it is uh, a, a, an, an allowance optional claimer. Easy for me to say they go over to the turf for this one. It's at a mile uh, for three-year-old fillies. Uh, the claim price here is $75,000, 53000 is the purse here. I thought a couple of interesting entries here as well. Is there an option outside of the favorites here? The nine, of course, or the eight, of course, is Sputnik. You'll see uh, some money come in on Sacred Image um, as part of a Chad Brown in a combination with Sammy Camacho, who is one of the very best riders at Tampa. And then Bourbon Breeze uh, under, for Riley Mott and under Junior Alvarado here also entered down at Gulfstream uh, on Sunday. Outside of those three, is there a player? Or are those the ones you think you'll be leaning? Um, I, I think the two horse Destiny Star has some upside. Um, showed some potential early on back uh, when when she broke her maiden at Sar- uh, when she ran in her first race at Saratoga, and you know kind of got away from it. Was on the dirt, then got back to the turf, and you can see she improved. I think there's still room to improve there, and stretching out might be the 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 answer to that. I mean, um, I have a declaration of war mare. Catholic yeah. boy, Catholic boy, yeah. Sire, so I don't think distance will be too too much of a problem, um, and and that one's going to be an interesting price too. I, I not really sure what to make of Sputnik, mm. um, you know, coming off on the synthetic to the turf. Yeah. It, it's it's a tricky read sometimes. Sometimes horses take to the synthetic, which is kind of counterintuitive, but they do. Um, and Sacred Image is another one that didn't run a really particularly fast race first time out but got the job done at tampa which is a plus so they're going to be probably formidable foes in this race um not too sure about bourbon breeze either first time on the turf yeah the one seems seems to be a kind of a stretch um and not even sure that horse will actually run in that race because it's entered in another on sunday at gulfstream so it might not make the trip so if that happens then i i I think destiny star and and you know, the odd horse is Camilla T. You don't really I agree. know what to do with that horse because <laughs> ran great going five first time out and hasn't shown up since. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the first Lasix will help there. Juan, uh, Juan Avila is very, very good uh, off this type of layoff as well. Uh, Riley Mott, by the way, with firsters on the turf is over his last uh, 26. And so uh, that horse, I'm guessing, will stay at Gulfstream. Uh, yeah, for most likely. Most likely. All right, let's move on to another stakes here. It is race a seven. Excuse me, the men are at here. Six for longer for Phillies and Mares four and up uh, on the dirt. Uh, all the stakes will be on the dirt on Saturday at Tampa. 50,000, like I said, uh, in the kitty here. Uh, you know, five and eight to me are interesting in here. Um, dreaming of snow coming uh, coming out of a win last time at Tampa at seven furlongs in an optional claimer. Runs in the rampart uh, down to Gulfstream. At a mile behind Mary Quite Contrary. I don't hold that against the horse there, but did win three of her six races at Tampa before that. Poema to me is really interesting here, Barry, because the connections with Kathleen O'Connell, she just doesn't win stakes races uh, for some reason, for whatever it is. But man, she is absolute royalty at Tampa. I think her, um, her at some point, she's going to break through in one of these races. This horse was right there in that optional claimer that I mentioned last time out. And um, I, I think her numbers sort of make sense here. Where would you lean, though, 
in the minaret stakes? Yeah, this is a tough race because, you know, at first glance, it looks like there's a lot of speed in this race. And, and when you dig a little deeper, it really isn't that much. Um, and I think <laughs> Kathleen is, is holding a really good hand. But I, I think Dreaming of Snow might get the setup um, and, and probably be a, a, a decent price on the cutback from the rampart back in uh, December 30th. Yeah. This, this horse likes this distance, likes this track also. Um, you can see that last bullet on January 24th. That was pretty good. Uh, six or one out of 36 that day, but the one before that was six yeah. out of 71. Yep. This horse is training well into this race. Um, but and he gets Sammy, and Sammy's about as good at Tampa as anyone's ever. Yeah, and I, I think they really put uh, Poima in here to, to kind of set the table for Dream Concert. And okay. in, in doing that, it may help a horse like Dream of Snow because Dream of Snow and Dream Concert will probably want the same kind of trip. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's assuming that Lady Radler doesn't want to go to the lead. But she's won on the lead prior but I, she just doesn't seem fast enough so this this pace scenario seems a little bit tricky because i don't think it's as fast as what it might look initially on paper and there's a there's even a situation where poima runs off yeah. right nobody runs with her and and, and right. she, she just goes so yeah i i i look at the board for some clues on this one who do you uh, – are we overlooking Chi-Town Lady here? I feel like uh, – <laughs> Closers, man. The, I, I can't do it. it it's a just, winner of the you know, test. And, I mean, just at that price, can you do it? Nah, just yeah. – it's it's hard because, you know, this horse is going to be a dead closer in a race that might not have a whole bunch of speed. I mean, if it heats up up front, Chi-Town Lady is going to be coming like a freight train, but it, it's just all about the setup. All right. Well, there you go. We'll move on to race eight, the Pelican. That's uh, a $100,000 race, six furlonger. It is the open edition uh, of the six furlong sprint on the on the dirt here. Excuse me. 100K in the kitty here. Uh, some interesting horses in this as well. Um, I thought you might be able to get some value here. Obviously, Sebelius is in here. You've got Nakatomi in here. Man, I really like the five here, Barry, in Mish. Under Sammy Camacho for Safi Joseph running in some lower level races at Tampa. But if that horse can turn in the race that it ran last time at Tampa, I think he can win here. Um, Seven-year-old horse still knocking around. Won four races last year. has been off since right before Christmas. So a little bit of a freshening here, which is a terrific stat uh, out of the Joseph Barn. He's five for 13 at this meet. And he and Sammy Camacho are six for their last, or excuse me, five for their last nine uh, together at Tampa. I love that 10 to one number. If you're trying to beat the big boys here, I think Mish is the horse to use. Are you going to try to beat the big boys, Barry? <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Okay, of course. let's go. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Though, I, I thought the morning line was a little off um, okay. because I would think Sibelius is going to be favored. And, yeah, you know, agree. just because of the way the track plays and, and so on, you know, it's going to be hard for Nakatomi to, to, to close into this. I, I mean, obviously talented enough to do it, but doesn't really win all that much. Right. I, I mean, you know, and, and I think a lot of that is running style. Sure. Um, and I'm also not convinced that six furlongs is uh, the best distance for that horse either. You know, he's one for seven at the distance, closes every time, but just doesn't get there. I, I think, you know, seven, six and a half, maybe even like if there was the old distance, the seven and a half furlong race 
would be perfect for Nakatomi. Um, that being said, I, I think uh, Little Vic might stand a good chance. Um, you see that huge number. It was a perfect trip win on in the mud at at, at uh, Aqueduct in the Tom yeah, Fool. Yep. And then they they jumped up in competition and got thumped. And then they laid the horse off. And I think this is, you know, this is what is a dropping class. And being with this class of horse, I mean, Sibelius is kind of on the verge of being a, a, a really good grade one horse, but just doesn't do it consistently. Um, but I think Little Vic can get the trip here because there's, a, there's a, you know, a lot of ways that this pace could heat up um, and has some class which a lot of these really don't. They're, they're kind of putting around in optional claimers. Uh, Nakatomi, you know, is obviously facing the, the grade ones and grade twos, but everybody else is kind of on the edge, you know, um, of being a good horse. That being said, I think this is a really competitive race. And honestly, if Sibelius is three to one at post time, I, I think my, I might dump every cent I have on him. There you go. Uh, I'm I'm actually also interested in Super Ocho here uh, shipping in. <clears throat> Most recently from Oakland has razor sharp. That horse is sharp right now. He, he's in very good form. Ran really well in the mud last out. An optional claimer there uh, at Oakland after running in the Thanksgiving Classic at Fairgrounds, and then for that, of course, at Delta Downs and Alonso, which he won uh, under Vicente del Cid. But uh, yeah. I, I'm with you. This is a race that either we're just going to look back and go, oh, yeah, right, Sibelius. <laughs> or, or someone's actually just going to jump up and make us some money in this race. Uh, either way, I'm sure it'll be a fun one. Uh, let's go ahead. We'll get to the Davis now. Um, it is uh, race 10 on the card. Quarter million bucks here. Mile on a 16th. It will help uh, toward uh, some derby points, some pretty serious derby points, frankly, in this one. And so, um, look, uh, this is – an interesting one. I, I think if you were looking at this race, Barry, and let's let's just say we thought this was an allowance for three-year-olds. I think if you looked at it, you would say change of command is in good form. He's improving. That's the horse to play in this race. Where would you lean in this race? Because we're early in this three-year-old season, and so far, good freaking luck figuring out who's going to win one of these races. Yeah, it seems too good to be true. With <laughs> you know, it, you know, he's he's been improving, but you know, I, I I just don't see that that horse can get the kind of trip he needs to to win this race. Um, there there's other contentious horses that that will be up front, kind of pushing the pace, and I I mean, not that they, that I've haven't seen connections kind of fiddle around with tactics in in races like this, but. I mean, it just it wouldn't make any sense to take that away from the horse who's, who's clearly got a weapon in his speed and, and his placement early. Um, I'm, I'm trying to look to throw one downfield. I thought Tireless looked pretty good um, in that race that Joe Bravo uh, rode him last time for Pletcher and actually might be a little bit better than Agate Road at this point. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but on the dirt, I should say. Dirt, yeah, right. Um, so that that's the great equalizer here. I, I don't really want any part of Agate Road on the mm -hmm. dirt. His dirt race, his one and only dirt race, wasn't that good. Not that this field is that great, but yeah, a, a hard pass on a horse is going to be a short price on the dirt, basically for the first time in this kind of competition. Um, I thought Fulmineo 
the 11 um, is, is one on the improve. I like the comebacker race and, and those races, uh, yep. you know, those turf races were pretty good. Those are classy races and, and, and Agate Road was in one of them. And uh, the comebacker on January 14th was, was a lot better than it looked. I think mm. the horse was a lot farther back than they really wanted to be. Um, but I think that helps this horse, the experience, you know, he's got four, you know, mile or over races under his belt, which it has to mean something um, yeah. at this point. So I'll give that one a shot at, at 15 to one. Yeah. It, out of that same race with Fulmineo, uh, was crazy Mason. Who's in this race as well. The four mm -hmm. horse for 10 to one, Michael Sanchez out of the Sacco barn. And that one's really interesting to me, Barry, because they run him in that, in the, uh, the inaugural, of course, uh, at the beginning of December for two-year-olds and uh, finishes, you know, second, does a lot of closing in that race. Frankly, they stretch him back out, go a mile and 40, uh, last out in that optional claimer at Tampa. And I thought he, he did the work that in a race like this, especially early in the three-year-old season when these horses aren't used to rating yet, and they go out a little too hot. He's the kind of closer that could pick this race off. Oh, absolutely. And so that's another one, another option, a double digit type of horse that I think could be really interesting here. Um, do you think they're just kind of trying to figure out what to do with the got road? Or do you think it's more, hey, it's it's derby season if he happens to run well in the Davis, then we try to figure something else out? That's what it feels like to me. Is okay. Just, uh, we're going to experiment and see if he takes to it. Um, because they, I, I think they felt that he, he got better and bigger over you know his layoff from november to january so they're like all right he's doing well let's give him a shot you know um betting wise not not a good thing for me I, I i wouldn't take a horse like this at a short price they could beat me all day i'll tell you a horse that's not going to be five to one at race time is copper tax that there's no, no way. way that horse is getting enough money to go five to one i'm fascinated by the route that that horse took here because they ran that horse like crazy between the first of december and the second of december ran a bunch of races, won a bunch, frankly, uh, doing a lot of different things. They tried him in the Remsen, uh, essentially on three weeks under Kendrick, just didn't have it that day. That was the famous uh, muddy race between Doorknock and Sierra Leone. And I say famous because we've been waiting for another famous race on this, <laughs> on this derby trail. That's about as famous as we've had. Uh, we got real excited about that one, and then we haven't seen the horses since, of course. Um, but, yeah, interested in, in just sort of what – Gary Capuano is trying to do with this horse. I do think if you were going to try this horse in a derby prep, this is where to do it. And then if it doesn't work, Zach will tell you, and I'm sure you've seen it on the show. We do a uh, road to the Preakness shows. That's the kind of horse I could see. They aim for the Tessio. If he doesn't work out. Yeah, home week, team. They, yeah. He's, that's home. Team exactly. Too. Right. Send it back to Laurel, go pick off a bunch of races, get a free pass to the Preakness. And I think that copper tax uh, could be that horse. I'll be interested to see. It will obviously won't be in uh, February, maybe back in, in next in March if we see him back at Laurel Park, uh, if it doesn't work out in the Davis on Saturday. All right, man. Well, I think uh, I think that's it. You got to pick for the last race. I guess we could do that. Yeah, we can we can fire it up real quick. I mean, royal interest is royalty interest. Excuse me, is going to get a bunch of money here, and it's it's fun to see. Man, does anybody go to more tracks than Vincent Chemino? I mean, that guy is just yeah, he rides everywhere. Everywhere. I love it. Uh, and if there's a grass course somewhere, the man will be there. That's essentially how it works. Um, he's uh, down there for Chad Brown. Horse broke its maiden at Tampa, went up north to Penn uh, to run in the Penn Oaks, $150,000 race on the uh, turf there. Comes back in this spot in the allowance uh, to close this card. By the way, the late 
all of the sequences. This is an awesome card in Tampa. Nice job sprinkling in maidens in the middle of, I think Barry and I have this in common, which is unusual for us. Um, we like, we don't like the all stake sequence is fine on like a Belmont day or a Derby day or something, but on like a Sam F Davis day, sprinkle in an allowance, give us a little maiden special, right? Yeah. That's, mix uh -huh. it up. Get some value. Let's go, yeah. yeah. That's, that's where the value is. You know, a lot of times at Tampa, there's always at least one or two like inexplicable races where it's like, how did this horse win? And it, and it blows up the pick fives and, you know, everything skyrockets off that one race. So I'm, I'm hoping that does happen on Saturday and I hope I'm right in the right, race. In the right spot. There you go. Yeah. Uh, who is the play against at Tampa this weekend, Barry, if you want to make money, you think, is it in, is it life talk in the sun coast? If you wanted to really blow up a ticket. That's a, that's a tough task. Yeah, that that's that's playing hero ball. If you can beat that, okay. Well, did we say the same thing about fierceness last week? Yes, we did. You're okay. right. I'm just I'm not trying to play whataboutism with you. I'm just saying, if you <laughs> want to make money on this, if you want to make money on that part of the card, you're going to have to beat her, right? I mean, that's really oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah if you beat her, you're, you're you're definitely lining your pockets. There you go, Zach. You were going to ask a question. I'm sorry, buddy. I, I was going to say, I know Louie no, probably knows the answer to this one, but Barry. How many Tessio winners won the Preakness? <laughs> Why are we doing uh, that right now? Oh, poor Barry. <laughs> I was say, Come on, Barry, guess. My guess would be three. One. One. Nineteen eighty-three yeah. deputed oh. testimony. Oh wow! Yeah. I was I was, gonna, I was torn between one and three, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that. And did you actually look that up, Zach? Or are we just going on that one being the one that's the last one that happened? Uh, I knew that. I knew that from oh, last year when we did uh, Road to the Preakness. We asked, "Who did we ask?" I think we asked Illman. Yeah, probably Dan, my man. One of my favorite. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite things to say on this show is uh, the Federico Tessio, a great predictor of who won't win the Preakness. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a sound. laughs> Ouch. Hey, there's value in that, man. There's value in knowing who's not going to win a race too. That's true. Yeah, and that is true. And sometimes the toss matters just as much as the include. His name is Barry Spears. He's the urban handicapper on Twitter, uh, the sniper, all the good things. Go take Woo -woo. a picture with him on Saturday and tell him. Yeah, come out, say hi. I'm going to be there yeah, all day. Dude. Hey, Barry, I got to say, personal note, man, it is, um, it's good to have you back on. All of us were praying you. for you. I'm glad that um, you seem you seem great. You seem like you're yeah, in great spirit. Yeah. Tell the people are you feeling good. Thank you. I, I appreciate the thoughts and prayers and everything and the support has been excellent. Um, doing good, you know, the, you know, just kind of getting used to things after that because, you know, your life changes. Um, you know, I, I went from taking no medication to taking mm. like six or seven a day. So yeah, things right. like that, you know, timing with everything. I got alarms on my phone every time I need to take medicine, things like that. But, um, you know, getting back to normal, it's only been a couple months. Um, but, uh, you know, trying to get out and about and do things. Good. So yeah, feel good. Everything's going good. Out. Do you have a, do you have a Super Bowl pick? Uh, yeah, neither. No, I, 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 I can't. <laughs> That's say. a good, that is a good answer. A I like either of those teams. The Detroit Lions, people. The Detroit Lions. Yeah, right That's, there. that was the right answer. I, I was um, pulling for them, man. I wish I they would have won. So my, my favorite thing to say is that the only thing that separates Brock Purdy from Tom Brady is Super Bowl wins. They have the same exact stats for the years that Purdy has been playing. Oh, wow. How about that? Yeah. So, well, Kyle Shanahan start winning Super Bowls. Yeah, but uh, KC did beat the best team in the NFL. So, you know, there's that. I did. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, man, there is a. 
I mean, if, if you talk about like best three, four coaches in the league, two of them are in the Super Bowl. So at least we got that this year. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, no joke. At least that, that part yeah, KC beat the Dolphins, the best team in the, well, yeah, in the world. <laughs> We're talking about the Ravens, Barry. The I Ravens. just like that the geekiest man possible got the Dolphins head coaching job. It gives guys like me hope that I can accomplish something with my life. So they, you know, right? that's actually the platform that Louis is trying to jump toward. He he started, you know, podcast radio. He's hoping to get to NFL coach by the end of his, his career. Oh, that'd be so sweet. That's why I live in Kentucky. Yeah, for those NFL jobs. All right, boys. I appreciate it very much. Uh, by the way, if you're not listening, um, I, I almost never mention when Barry comes on. Going in circles on Monday. Uh, podcast drops uh, the big Monday podcast with him and uh, Mr. Simon. Make sure you go check that out. It's a very, very good show. Very different from this one. Uh, but the recap shows I absolutely adore and they do as good a job as anyone in our industry. So Barry, we will talk to you next time, my friend. All right. Safe trip Thank to you the so family. much. Have a great time at the track on Saturday. I'll be All at right. Turfway. Do you have Ooh, a Turfway cold. strategy? Yeah. Closers. The longest <laughs> shot on the board. The longest closer. Longest closer. There you there go. go. I will shoot for that, man. Appreciate it very much. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> All right, talk to Barry soon. All right, Zach, let's wrap this one up, buddy. Um, again, shout out to our guys, Single Barrel, Single Cigar Barrel. down there in Ybor City. Uh, SingleBarrelCigarCo.com, all over the socials. Uh, catch them yep. down there. Um, best Nick and the guys down there are just the best. So uh, make sure you check them out. Uh, for all those uh, smoky, smoky needs, uh, thanks to Eddie C. Hanging out with us tonight. Uh, good stuff uh, out of Eddie. We appreciate him very much uh, hanging out and watching the show tonight. Uh, you can always catch us live on Twitter and on Twitch uh, during our shows on Thursday night. And anytime you want to watch the replay of this, it's on YouTube, it's on Twitch, and, of course, it's on Spotify. As well, you can join the 5,500 people that watch us every month on Spotify. And subscribe to us. Like, subscribe. We need those. It determines our our, our money, our sponsorships, our guests. That's right. Yeah. Um, And make sure you get in tomorrow, Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot, whoever that is. uh, And get in on that 6 o'clock tomorrow. ESPN Louisville. You can stream that anywhere in the world. Just ask your smart speaker uh, to play ESPN Louisville and you will get uh, me around 6 o'clock. And of course, we'll release it on this podcast platform as well. Also, Dan Issel, which is way better than Louis. I did interview Dan Issel. (laughs) (laughs) Free from uh, Turfway Park will join us as well on that episode tomorrow. I will do a recap of the four derby preps from this past weekend as well. Probably steal some notes from Barry for that one. All right, alongside producer Zach, my name is Louis Rabot. Thanks for joining us here on the Horse Racing Happy Hour. We'll be back next week. Our guest will be Steve Kornacki, ahead of the Risen Star uh, at uh, Fairgrounds. Uh, I don't know why Steve Kornacki likes this show, but he does, and so we will talk to him. <laughs> it's, his, it's his getaway from politics in 2024. <laughs> That's exactly right. So there you go. Uh, I'm not Joe Biden, and he's not Donald Trump. We'll talk exactly. <laughs> None of us care. Like that's the point. Awesome. Uh, all right. Thank you, Zach. Uh, go ahead and play that music, and uh, we will get out of here. Uh-